Coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. It's the Faster Freedom Show. With your hosts, Sam Prim and Lucas What up, everybody? How are you doing today, Lucas? Yeah. Let's hit it. Let's do it, man. We got to work on the intro just a little bit. You got to let that breathe, baby. That I got excited. I got excited. We let the whole thing breathe. I just dropped it on the beat a little early. Well, welcome to the live Faster Freedom Show. My name is Sam. And I'm Lucas. And we have been working for about four months now. Well, we mainly the team. Lucas hasn't done anything. Hey. I've done a little bit, but we have quite the live show for you today. We are going to start going live every Wednesday and Friday at 1.30 Central on all streaming platforms, and the recording of this will be on you know, podcast platforms like uh, Spotify and Apple uh, iTunes the next day. Yeah, for 90 minutes straight, right? So mm-hmm. if you can't jump on till 2, go ahead, jump on. Can't jump on till 2.30, we'll still be here. Exactly. And when we're live on the social media platforms, it'll go away but it'll always be on YouTube. Beautiful, man. Awesome. We have quite the show today to get this thing banged off. Let me go over a quick outro or a quick kind of outline. We got opening rant. We're going to rock here a little bit. We got REI school. We're going to talk about the burst strategy. We're going to break that down. We got slides. We got presentations. We got everything. Our guests, our subject matter expert today is Dusty Sanders. He has about 75 houses a year, so he's pretty good at rehab. Yeah, our director of construction, 75 houses a year. He's probably done that for the past, what, five years in a yeah. row. Mm-hmm. So he's rehabbed a lot of freaking houses. So he's going to help everybody with that. Then we're going to do a live segment. We're going to answer questions. Eventually, we're probably going to do like phone mm. stuff, like the Dave Ramsey show, people calling in. and Your we'll, favorite show. We'll, we'll give Dave a little break today. But anyways, we're going to do like call-ins and stuff like that. But for the first show, we're just going to take questions online. So make sure you're watching on whatever social media platform you're on then we're going to riddle lucas i'm going to make him look stupid Mm. as always and then true false i'm going to get right and then we're going to get back to the trash can game because lucas uh luke's talking smack and he needs to back it up yeah at what week do you think i start having to shoot left-handed so to give you a chance not one week so what we do is we take our outlines and we throw it in the trash can we actually have a trash cam right now we have a camera facing down um, at the trash can so we will be able to see our shots if they go in or not and we have a scorecard and everything so we've been putting a lot into this i'm excited it's going to be a lot of fun i'm sure this first episode will be a little choppy as always mm. we've never gone live for 90 minutes but we will get better as it goes i promise you do promise i do promise so yeah. lucas let's talk about what's going on yeah. in the world right now so there's a lot going on so what we're going to do is we're going to start out with just lucas and i talking about what's on our mind and getting in some headlines so Right now, this is kind of a crazy stat. U.S. has officially bought more from Mexico than China for the first time in two decades. That's pretty wild. That is wild. Um, two decades. So last time it happened uh, was 2002, which surprised me it's happened in the past, honestly. Yeah. Uh, knowing, knowing China and all their exports. But, I mean, um, you know, trade in the world is is changing right now. Yes. And, I, and I think our relationship with China has been changing for a long time. So I love it. You know, they're neighbors to us. I know we have a lot of issues uh, at the border or whatnot, but in general, I feel like our our governments can get along. I think our governments, I think just North America between, you know, Canada, the U.S. down to Mexico, our governments get along very well. So it's all the BS between, you know, the border and all that kind of stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with anything but our government doing what or not doing what they potentially could be doing to stop that. So I think it's cool. Like you said, they're closer. Mm-hmm. Um, China's been known as, you know, the big exporter because the, the, you know, the more inexpensive labor, we'll yeah. call it and all that stuff going on. So 
makes so much more sense if you can get even if it's a little more expensive you just gotta ship it across the border not across the world yeah. to get to us and that's not cheap to ship stuff i would assume yeah you could use a, a truck or a train instead of like a tanker ship or a plane or yeah or or a plane would be much less expensive i would think to yeah. fly that short period of uh, time so yeah that so that is that is interesting and i think probably hopefully it's a good thing i would think the more, and I want your opinion, Lucas, the more dependent we can get here just locally, and I'm talking about North America locally, the better, I Independent, think. yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, right. yeah the more de- yeah, we can be dependent on just North America, yeah. not the rest of Heck the world. yeah, that'd be sweet, man, for sure. It's almost like we went through this like big wave of globalization, trying to do everything, and mm-hmm. now kind of narrowing it back down a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's like like everything else. Like you get, you get what you pay for, right? Mm-hmm. There's gonna come with some other challenges if you go out and try to find the cheapest way to buy something. So uh, I think we've seen that, and... Uh, doesn't mean that you know relationships come before price tag in my eyes yeah and and i think they've tested that i know sam walton with walmart did like this whole made in america section of the stores there i remember reading uh, doing a study on in college and everybody bought the cheaper stuff so yeah it got kind of ebbs and flows a little bit so he tried he tried to do that it was more expensive and everybody just went to the cheapest shit for sure yeah Cool. Let's talk a little bit about social media, Lucas. So Snapchat, Snap is laying off 10% of its global workforce, which is around 500 people. So I guess they have... 5,000. That's not bad. That's yeah, it's a good size. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason to me, it looks like they're laying them off, um, obviously because of company performance a little bit, but um, it seems like they have a lot of virtual employees, mm-hmm. which makes sense for that platform. But... Um, I thought this was super cool because it kind of goes back to one of our one of our older podcasts. But uh, he wants the CEO, his name is Evan Spiegel. He wants to promote more in-person collaboration. I like that. That's what we're about. Yeah, exactly. So we, we've you know Sam's tested it, and he knows that if you're in the office, productivity is at a high. Yes, Lucas. This this so this is the reason Lucas is being sarcastic because this goes against what he says. So me and Evan, we know Lucas, you're learning. We'll bring you with us. That's fine. Come no on. big deal. We'll bring you with us. So Snapchat is it's an interesting platform to me. We're not really we're on it, but we're not like big there. I don't really understand it. It's a little bit different. They just had an incredible commercial at the AFC Championship game or NFC Championship game last uh, a couple weeks ago. Now it was it was really really good, really really well done. Probably not cheap, so they're they're going back at it a little bit, but they're uh, they're trying to figure everything out. And um, the the stock apparently fell thirty five percent. So that's that's a lot. So maybe if that's every, a lot. If everybody Today, it, it says if everybody thinks Snap's going to be a thing, which a lot of people do, apparently it's huge in middle schools and high schools. Sick. We should probably buy some Snap stock. It'd be a good time to i'll check it out get check out the fundamentals sam phil check out the fundamentals and buy some yeah i, I was thinking like you know i i used it i don't know five years ago maybe dabbled in the past couple of years but i've completely went away from it like if i you know want to post a 10 second video 15 second video or even like a like a picture i'm going to like stories like instagram stories facebook stories these days i'd rather post it there and get out to my my friend group than than um, Snapchat. I guess Snapchat is a little more intimate. You can like share uh, individually, and then, mm. it, then it goes away. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's uh, funny because Evan was in a, a lawsuit of some sort. He testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee last week, and this was a hearing on online child sexual export, ex- exploitation. Yeah, that's what I that's what I originally thought of when Snap originally came out. It was like, ooh, you can send like when we were in like college, probably. Yeah, yeah like a little after maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you like you can send something naughty and it'll disappear kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So Which that's, you needed. Well, yes. That was helpful for you. Oh, stop it. But that was like my version of it, and I still can't that quite get that like version of it. That's not really what it is today, I don't think. I think it's more of like a social media platform for connecting and sharing and, and doing things. But originally, that's what it like what our generation like. Yeah took from it the but filters now, man people love the filters yes that's big yeah. like with the spiders like crawling around in your face mm-hmm. like you can do like a selfie uh, we, we've done it to our like two-year-old son and the spider crawls around he like freaks out and thinks that's it's spider. mean lucas I know, I know we're mean to him why would you do that to drake that was dax that was dax. oh daximus daximus yeah. yes um drake's in the news too but that's a different story <laughs> um yeah so i think it's uh i think it's definitely something to keep an eye on I, I don't think it's probably going away i know that snap has created a lot of things like i think they were one of the original people that did stories and then instagram took it and, and you know TikTok now took it and and the filters instagram yeah. is big on filters now and all yeah. these other platforms so and TikTok, of course um but yeah they, they've definitely had some originality to them but they're getting kicked straight in the nads right now apparently yeah, yeah facebook i think tried to buy them you know several years ago um, for several billion dollars, and they turned it down because they they obviously thought they were they were onto something, and they probably couldn't be. But uh, you know, it's just part of a growing business. They'll figure it out. I bet they will. I've, I got confidence that they will. And if I do, buy some damn stock, Lucas. All right, a couple more things, and then we'll get on to our REI school. We're going to break down the Burrs method. Mm. So I talk about it all the time, and we have a decent following. But yesterday I was live. And every time I go live, I'm surprised at how many people I'm like, all right, give me number one if you know what the Burrs method, number two if you don't, obviously try and get interaction. There's a lot of people that don't know about the Burrs method. And there's a lot of people, uh, we have some students recently that joined that they have, they own five rentals, but they put, they never even heard of the method mm-hmm. until they heard, like they are in the space, they have 20 rental, or they um, have five rentals they put 20% down on, they've spent 150 grand and they didn't know you didn't yeah. have to use your own money. Yeah, well you get, you know, you got like, 40,000 new followers this past week, right? Yes, so yep. there's people that haven't seen that's your true. Contact that, content that are on there. But in general, that, yeah, your normal everyday person that's not interested in real estate or just getting started in real estate, yeah. I remember trying to explain to someone like three or four, maybe even five years ago, they're like, there's no way that that is possible, that you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're going to talk about that. So if you're new to it, and I always say, I still kind of learn something every time we explain it. So we've got a whole presentation for you. So definitely stick around if you want to learn how to use other people's money to create wealth for you. Super, super powerful. So a couple more topics we'll get into. So Ford is reassessing the, the EV, which is electric vehicle plans, which is interesting because I own a Ford electric vehicle. So I do know a couple quick things and we'll get to the stats. I do know that I saw a stat that Toyota was the most profitable um, uh, automaker in last year by a long shot. Yeah. And they're the only one that hasn't attempted to go into EV. EV yeah. super, they're like waiting or not going to do mm-hmm. it. EV super um, expensive to develop and yeah. do all this stuff. And, um, you know, so they haven't done anything with yeah. EVs really to any like major degree. And they're the most profitable. For sure. We talk about this a lot in our business. Like being the, the first to something doesn't mean it's uh, – yeah, it's going to be the best for you. And just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean you have to do something. Correct. Um, but I also think there's things to be said for, you know, looking at the future and making decisions based on the future and not just this exact calendar year or fiscal year. So um, do I think these companies that have been, you know, experimenting, adding an EV branch to their division will be better off? as a company in five years? Yes, I do. 10 years? Yes. But will Toyota be able to do it more efficiently in two or three years after everybody else works out all the kinks? Potentially as well. So that's that's all the, the risk and benefits that these, these uh, big automakers are 
um, you know, weighing on a, on a daily basis, probably. Yeah, and I don't think anybody, we talked a little bit about this on the podcast yesterday, I don't know that any company has been able to figure out how to be profitable with this EV stuff. They're not making a profit with it right now. Obviously, the goal is to get more efficient, technology lower their costs, more people be yeah. able to like do it at scale. But Tesla, obviously, for the most part, has been so that they're for the most part. But it took them a long time to get yeah. profitable. Well, and it took that's crazy the, Musk. Yeah, that's with a brand of Musk, uh, Elon behind it. So, um, and he will tell you it's a hard freaking business mm-hmm. to 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 get ahead in very regulated and to and sustain for pro- profitability on so and that's all his company does yes that's their bread and butter electric vehicles right a few a few different models and for a elect a, a gasoline automaker to just like have a branch and it's not tough. be a hundred percent focused on that and for that to be successful is going to be a big challenge yeah it is and it's it's tough co-op so i have the ford lightning electric truck and it's wild to me so <laughs> It is fast. <laughs> it is so for fast. sure. It'll put your stomach in your butt. In your butt. Yes, it will do that. But it's it's one of those things I, I didn't know like when I bought it. So I, I ordered it, quick story. I ordered one I from like right when they released or a couple weeks after they released them, like three years ago, I ordered it. A year and a half later, it wasn't there yet. And there was one on the lot yeah. that was returned with like 100 miles on it. So I just went and bought that and canceled my order. And it's the smaller battery, which I was like, whatever, I don't care. So I was getting like 250 miles a, mm-hmm. a, a charge, which, charge. Is, which isn't bad. Can, my office is 15 minutes away. It's fine, 15 miles away maybe. But then in the winter, I guess batteries lose some of their juice. Yeah, I'm going like buck 40, a buck 50. It loses like 100 miles of charge yeah. in the winter. So for somebody that drives 40, 50 miles, that's not going to cut it because what happens if you have you can't be getting it that low because you can't just go fill up at a gas station. So For sure. Yeah, I think uh, we were also talking about uh, your EV yesterday and uh, how it doesn't make sense probably to own an EV uh, unless you're really close to like a supercharged station or – you make the electric upgrades in your house to get the-, the Which I did, yeah. So so w- if you don't have the electric updates in your house and you plug your EV into your normal power grid of your house, what kind of charge do you get? You get one to three miles per hour of charge. So, so if you charge it for two hours, you'll get six miles of drive time. <laughs> so if you charge it you know, all night, say you charge it 10 hours, probably a little more than that, you'll get like 20 miles? 20, 30 miles, yep. Mm maybe make it there and back from work but if you get the the 240 or 220 whatever the hell it is volt to charger yeah. that i have it's 18 to 20 yeah miles per charge miles per charge so it's fine it charges every night um and our boy greg on facebook greg bachter says evs are out there going to go hydrogen now yeah i heard EVs we should out yeah like yeah. i i heard that there's a a, a navy vehicle or there's a navy um ship that does not have any fuel on it it takes hydrogen it brings in water as it's moving and oh. it takes the hydrogen from the water Whoa. and uses that as fuel that's wild so stuff i mean technology if they could like take like that from air like suck in the air mm-hmm. and turn it into fuel somehow that'd be crazy yeah. there, there's so many different ones i remember um i did a uh, like a research paper in in my engineering class on uh gosh what was it um Oh, it was like uh, God. I forget it, but uh, it was another settle down, another type of, of fuel. I think it was like from soybean oils or something. I for, I forget, but anyway, there's a lot of different ties. I heard. Have you heard of the car 
that was uh, some dude made from the leftover grease from McDonald's yeah, French I fries. About that. that was a big news story. And then there was there's natural gas buses. That mm-hmm. natural gas was supposed to be this big thing. Like public transportation has natural gas. But so they're trying to figure it out, trying to get more efficient. I, I freaking love it. Let's let's try a whole bunch of things and see what's most efficient, the cheapest, and uh, also, you know, not super pollutant or yeah, I think it's good. Most of that stuff costs more energy to make than fossil fuel, like oil-based um, gasoline. However, the goal is to get it efficient, so then eventually it'll be less. But like a lot of that stuff takes more carbon to make than the actual yeah. just fossil yeah. fuel stuff. So, cool. All right. Well, that was our um, opening rant. That was kind of fun. We're getting into REI school now, Lucas. So this is going to be a quick, uh, you know, fifteen-minute segment on how to create wealth by buying rental properties using none of your own money. We don't even have to look at that screen. We can look at that one. How fancy is that? I I don't even know where my phone is, which is weird for me, oh, but man. we're just going to keep going. I'm like connected to my phone. You know that. Yes, you are connected. All right. So REI School, today we are going to talk about the Burrs Method. Lucas and I have used this strategy, listen to this, to buy over 150 single-family rentals, to buy six apartment complexes, to buy three self-storage facilities, and to buy a hotel, motel, holiday Yeah, holiday in our office building. And our office building, yeah. yeah. So this strategy can be used for any type of real estate. The only thing you needed to be able to do is add equity and have it cash flow, and you can make this worse. So the method stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and scale. So that's the Burrs method, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and scale. It is a very, very powerful strategy that allows you to buy rental properties using none of your own money if you do it the right way. I love it. I feel like like you said, man, we've, we've done this a lot. Um, we're not experts at a lot of things, but this is fucking one of them. Correct. <laughs> so yes. There's, let's, let's rock and roll on this. This is going to be fun. I don't know anybody that's done more Burrs deals than we have. I know people yeah. that know more real estate than yep. us, that flip more, that wholesale more. I don't know anybody that does more of these strategies than us. That's yeah. why we have- And we're still doing it. You know, We just closed on a rental yesterday, just executed a refinance on the back end of a Burrs two weeks ago. Like We're constantly doing these and constantly improving our methods so we can- get more equity and deal and have more cash flow and fine tune in our processes. Yeah, it's something that we believe in and this is why this is the foundation of a coaching community that has 1600 students that own 220 something million dollars in is real that estate. A lot, you think? Yeah, is that good? Is that good? So, all right, let's let's rock with it. I eventually probably get the clicker, but we're good for now. So, I'm um, kind of the pros and cons. Let's go over it. So, the pros are you can use none of your own money to do it. You can scale way faster like yeah. it even if you make good money, which we to some degree are right now, it is still not scalable. We don't make enough money to put 20% down on 40 single family houses this year and two apartment complexes that we wanna buy or whatever we're gonna do this year. So it allows you to scale much faster and kind of build that retirement um, fund faster with because you can do it using none of your own money. And real estate doubles in value every 15 years. So look at the historic stats. I know that sounds crazy, but it's 100% true. It more than doubles in value most 15-year segments, but that means from 1950 to 1965, real estate doubled. That means from 1960 to 1975, real estate doubled. Every 15 years, real estate doubles in value. So if you don't have money to buy real estate, borrow the fucking money to buy real estate. Yeah. And then um, it can help you leave a legacy for your kids. Why don't you go over some cons, Walls? Yeah. So, um, you know, utilizing the birth strategy, um, you do put debt on the property. And if you're not using debt smart, it can 
you know, consume you and, mm-hmm. and, and get get uh, get you in trouble. So you got to make sure each one of these deals cash flow and you're sitting in a very safe LTV position at 75 to 80 percent to start. And then you'll cont- then you'll start paying down the debt from there. And your LTV position will only get better and better and better over time. But initially, you got to be sitting safe. Uh, if the market turns a little bit, you don't want to be upside down on that loan because uh, a lot of bad things can happen from there. So use your debt smart. Uh, there is good debt out there, I believe, but it's got to be used uh, not recklessly. Um, this says uh, you need to talk to people. Relationship is key. So um, in general, I, w- I would focus that more on, you know, the finding deals. Like finding distressed properties is not as easy as going on the MLS and making 20% down offers. You know, you're going to have to build a relationship. It's going to take some energy. It's going to take some work. going to take some hustling to find those deals. And then that's just that's just the first part of it. That's just the B, right? And mm-hmm. then you've got to execute and build relationships for the rest of the birth process as well. And then interest rates. We talked about those that debt um, and, and your debt balance on each particular house. Um, you know, two years ago, you could go get money at a four and a half percent interest rate, right? And that was less than the rate of inflation was over the past couple of years. So um, it's free money, basically. It is was what it free was. money, and actually, it almost the opposite. Almost, you you get paid to take out that mortgage, which is crazy to think about it that way. But it, theoretically, that's what it is. But um, you know, as inflation has increased, so is so is the interest rates. So uh, those interest rates are much higher these days. You know, eight percent a lot of times on those commercial loans. So it's a lot harder to find these deals that cash flow uh, without putting actual money into the deal. So uh, you need to make sure those deals pencil out before you go make offers. Yeah, no, it's it's just a investing strategy that has risk, like all investing strategies. But if done the right way, the like pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is, I feel like, so much bigger than most other investing strategies, especially because of the number one thing, leverage. You don't have to use any of your own money. You can't really buy stocks yeah. without using your own money. Yeah, you, you borrow money, but you, that asset is yours. You own it 100%, and uh, you get to uh, utilize all the tax benefits of it. You know, your bank doesn't get any tax benefits of it just because they have the loan on it. It's your tax benefits. It's your equity. It's your cash flow. Yep, it's your asset. Nice. All right, on to the next one. So the, the first step is the buy step. So you can, you just, the key is finding a distressed property walls. So getting a distressed property under contract is key. So you got to buy it first and you can use other people's money to do it, obviously. But let's talk about some sources to source some of these distressed properties because there's so many distressed properties out there. It's way bigger than most people think. It's one of those things where, um, you know, the, the percentage is low but the numbers are still high because real estate investing and real estate in general is such a big industry. So real estate agents are a great source. Most agents, Lucas, are going to, you know, a good agent's going to do, what, 15 to 20 transactions a year maybe, the pretty active agent, Yeah. Um, like on the buy and sell side. And one or two of those for a good agent are going to be like a hoarder house or a distressed fixer-upper, handyman special, something that needs updating that won't pass code. They bring that to you. Wholesalers, they go out and they look for properties that are distressed. They do it, they find it, and they don't want to close on it, so they mark it up and sell it to you. You can drive for dollars. I'm driving around looking for that. We got a, a batch leads a affiliate that will give you a free, a, a free code to drive for dollars on that. And you can just talk to other people in the, in the industry. So 
finding the distressed properties is honestly not that hard if you just talk to wholesalers and agents. You just have to be willing to do that. Yeah, I think if you're wholesaling properties, which is not what this segment is about, you got to do a little more digging to find those deals at a deep enough discount so you have some room to wholesale. But if you're the end buyer as a rehabber or a, uh, a Burr's landlord, then uh, you have a little more flexibility to buy directly from wholesales. Let the wholesalers, let them go do all the hustling and grinding, and you just build that relationship with them and buy it on the back end. Yeah, and we're, we're going through this kind of quickly here on purpose, but make sure to go to freerentalwebinar.com in the future and and that's a, it's a 20 minute you know a little bit deeper dive into into this so you you make your money when you buy the property lucas so you make your money when you buy at the discount so you're going to want to buy at a percentage usually 20 to 30 percent below market value future market value minus repair so you got to find this discounted distressed property it's not listed on the mls there's no comparables for it you just have to make sure you're buying it at a discount for sure so that's uh the, the quick formula is ARV, which stands for after repair value, what it's worth after it's fixed up, times 75% of that value minus your estimated rehab costs, and that's what you want to buy it for. For sure. So buy at a discount and just understand that what you're doing is you're, you're, you're helping the community. It's so funny, or I don't know if funny is the right word for it, Lou, but it's one of those things where everybody, a lot of people that don't understand it think that like, we're screwing over the housing supply. They don't understand that we're helping the community. We're taking a distressed, non-livable property for the most part and making it livable and selling it or renting it. So it's helping the community and no one could argue with me and tell me that it's not. Yeah, I agree. Cool, all right, on to the next. We got the rehab. So this is what you do. You bring the property value up. You update it, put cabinets, flooring, um, remodeling. You put a lot of different things into the property to make it livable, to increase the value. So this is something that we don't need to spend a ton of time on. There's a, we're getting ready to bring on our subject matter expert, Dusty, and rehabbing. So we'll wait a little bit on that. But basically, you increase the value by making it nice and livable so there's equity enough uh, for the next couple steps. Yeah, absolutely. You want that equity. You want to force that equity. You could do the work. You could hire it out. It, it doesn't matter. As long as the work's getting done so you can prove that you put some sort of money and value into that asset. You can prove to the bank what you'll need to do as we get to some of these uh, later steps. Nice. Awesome. All right. On to the next one. The rent. So you bought it, you rehabbed it, now you get it rented. And this is this is where even some of the negatives, Lucas, of uh, the higher interest rate, this is where you can get flexible. This is like it's all fun, but to me, this is like where you have different levels. So levers to pull. So Getting it, higher interest rates, um, long-term rentals, you know, you're getting the lowest rent per month that route. Um, it's the most steady income. It's what we mainly have. But interest rates have made that tougher. Now, with midterm rentals or short-term rentals, you can just rent it out on a nightly basis, on a monthly basis, or a yearly basis to kind of interchange what type of cash flow will allow you to be positive. Yeah, and you would think, this is a question for you, if you're going the short-term rental route, like the Airbnb, VRBO, or the midterm rental route, like the um, traveling nurses and professionals and displaced insurance people, uh, those require you to furnish the, your house or your apartment. Correct. Unit. Whereas yep. a long-term rental, they bring the furniture. It's just a vacant thing. So uh, there is some cost associated with furnishing. So would you think you want to know what exit strategy um, when you're going in to make I an offer on the so. house? Yeah. I would think so, especially, um, you know, at minimum, make it know what you're going to do before you refinance it. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, because you can always, you know, add some furniture to it. And if you buy it deep enough, it's about three to five bucks a square foot to furnish a property decently. So um, you can potentially, you know, during the rehab, figure that out that you're going to do that. But ideally, it would be before. So you can yeah. build in that five to 10 grain of furniture, whatever it's going to cost. Yeah. And I always run my numbers from a long term perspective still. Yeah. Like long term, you don't furnish it. Is it going to cash flow or, or break even, make a little money on a long term scenario? Then if you it's going to do that, you know, you're in a great position for an MTR or an STR. But if you buy off of MTR and STR numbers, it limits your exit strategy, therefore multiplies your risk a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, so if it works for an L, if it works for a long-term rental, it'll work for the other yes. two. Now you gotta be specific about location. Certain one of our rentals for would sure. not make good long or short-term rentals. Um, but uh, Dusty, is the, is the on-air sign on out there or not? Above the door out there? Okay, just checking, seeing how professional we really are. Let's see. It's on? Okay. All right. I got the middle finger. I don't know what that means. Um, cool. All right. So another couple quick tips on this is be landlords, not slumlords. Like, of course, there are bad landlords out there. We call them slumlords. There are there, – in, in any industry, there's bad, you know, people or bad, you know, business strategies. So take care of your tenant. Take care of your property. Do things the right way. And it, It's very ironic to me. The tenant or the people that are slumlords, they don't care about their tenant. They don't care about cash flow. They, they let the property go go to hell. They don't take care of their tenants because they want cash flow. But they technically cash flow less by doing that because of the turnover and the cost and the lack of property value growth. But if you spend extra time and energy taking care of your property and the tenant, you'll end up cash flowing more. So it's the exact opposite that they want is what they achieve. Yeah, you want that tenant to stay in there, you know pretty damn long, right? Mm -hmm. There's probably a sweet spot. You probably don't want to stay in there for 30 years. You probably want them to stay in there. I like what? that five, that Yeah, that, that five to 10 is probably the sweet spot. Um, so you, you don't fall behind on rent with renewals, but um, you're not spending money on turnover every single year, every two years. Because like you said, that's the most expensive part of the game. So if you can keep them happy, you know, respond to maintenance requests quickly, um, communicate, I think uh, they're apt to stay in there a longer period of time. Agreed. Cool. So definitely just make sure you work through all that. Um, and so the the next step, which is the a very important step, is the refinance step. Lucas, want to talk through that a little bit? Yes, Sam. Do it then. Right. So um, yeah. So the refinance part. This this is what makes it all possible. You know, you buy the house on the front end with some sort of short term money. It could be your own cash. Could be from your own HELOC. It could be from a private lender could be from a hard money lender. So you buy it up front, rehab it up front with some short-term funding, usually around that six months, uh, three to 12 months probably for, for most people it's going to take. Uh, and then you want to refinance out that short-term money with uh, some sort of long-term debt. Uh, so you'll take your rehabbed property to a bank. Uh, uh, we like to use local banks that understand the reef the the burr strategy in general uh there's a lot of banks in our area that that know this product and like to lend on this product but there's more banks in our area that have no idea what this Correct. is so it's it's not worth trying to convince them that this is a good idea for them find a bank that already likes this and goes to go to them uh they will um you know you work with them they'll send her up send an appraiser out to your property and uh, meet that appraiser there, show them why you think it's worth what it's worth. Uh, they'll put a value on the property and then the bank will give you a check for 80% of the value of the property. And then you'll start paying monthly mortgage payments uh, on that 80% bank, bank uh, debt balance. Couple things, do you think it's odd that the, the um, 
lettering we picked, everything is uppercase except the I's. Mm. Is that maybe because? No, the L's are that, that's, that's interesting, right? <laughs> Refinance. Well, I mean, no. You can just because just it's a lowercase doesn't mean you pronounce it differently. Really? Yeah. Oh. And Dusty, and, how do you got no shoelaces in your shoes? What are you, a freaking who's your shoeless Joe Jackson over here? We'll get him on here in a minute. Um, anyways. Uh, Wait, when I call you Samuel, I, I lowercase and uppercase some different letters there. I think it just helps pronunciate. It does not. It helps me. Samuel. Well, Samuel you need, you need is a lot more fucking help than that. Capital S, lowercase a, m, la, capital U, All right, onto the scale. E, capital L, Samuel. Thank you for that. On to the scale portion. This is one of my, uh, this is something that uh, we created a couple years ago. So the bird, for those that don't know, and thank you, Dominic, for the uh, for the chat there on Facebook. He says, so informative. For the Samuel chat. That's, that was well before your <laughs> stupid Samuel rant. But anyways, this is, so the burr method, you, well, the burr method has been around for a long time. Yeah. But Bigger Pockets, and I think Brain had a big part of that, Brandon Turner, um, he, it was the burr. It was buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And repeat to me is not quite as teeth sinkinable is my perfect word for that with a lowercase e's in that. And um, it just like repeat, but we made it scale because most people want to do it again and we created a process to scale. So go through this quickly, then we'll have our guest on next. So the scales process is the, it stands for systems, coaching, action, lead source, and extra funding. Lucas, let's walk through that. I'll go through the first one. So systems, if you want to scale and do things at higher volume, which is scaling, you have to create systems around it. You're not going to be able to find new contractors every time and rehab quickly. You just get systems around getting good contractors and sticking with them. You're not going to be able to buy a ton of properties unless you have systems around buying property. So systems and processes will help you scale. Yeah. Uh, next one is coaching and community. Uh, this could be done before your first one yep. as well, so or or after. So, uh, getting around the right people, the right environment, um, the right mentors uh, is going to help you limit your mistakes and be able to add to your portfolio much more stress free. Uh, if you try to do this all on your own, uh, you can probably right, mm -hmm. um, but you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and lose a lot of money, just like Sam and I did. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, but if if you get around the right people that have been through that already, they can help you limit those mistakes and, uh, uh, you know, and also be that, that, that like cheerleader for you because times do get tough sometimes. Yep. So uh, they can be there to have your back and keep pushing because there is light at the end of the tunnel. For sure. I'm way closer to my mic than you are. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. But the A stands for action. Like you just have to go out and take action. It's the fun part, but it's the part that moves the needle the most, Lucas. Like, I remember, yes, moves the needle. I remember, like you and I didn't know what we were doing, but we went to the local meetup. We went and made offers. We like we didn't know what we were doing, but we actioned our way through it. So just taking action will allow you to make those pivots because you're only going to be able to learn eighty, you know, you know, eighty percent of it um, by doing it. The other twenty percent by sitting on the sideline. So, quick question from Shane while we're working through here. Yeah, for Dusty here. In will a you second. be covering how to vet contractors? A hundred percent. Dusty yeah. will get into that for sure. Dusty knows one guy for everything. Yeah. All right. Um, I got a guy. So, so taking action is like, it's fun, but it's, it's the only, it's like the only step. I feel like you can try it without systems and you can try it on your own, but you can't do it without action. It's yeah. the only hundred percent necessary step. For sure. Uh, next bullet is t lead sources. Um, either go deeper in the current lead sources you have or go wider or both. I Sam do both. Say, Lucas doesn't do either. No, I try to try to stay as shallow and skinny as possible. <laughs> Anyway, are we still live? Yes, we are. Let's keep rolling. Let's um, not get kicked out on our first show. Uh, the, the point of this bullet is um, if you want to continue to build 
to your rental portfolio, you need some sort of consistent deal flow uh, or lead flow. I'm sorry. You don't have to buy every single one, but the more leads that come across your plate, the more people you have sending you possible deals, the more you can analyze and get better and the better shot you have at picking out the best property for you out of you know 10 leads or 20 leads, whatever it is. Um, you know, If you only get sent one lead a month, you know, you don't have a lot to choose from. So you might have to go stretch and make more mistakes. If you get 10 leads a month, you know, you have a lot better houses to choose from and build a better quality portfolio. It, it's just a numbers game yeah. is the biggest thing about it. You got the more at the top of the funnel, the more come out the bottom of the funnel. Mm. All right, extra funding, we'll leave that one alone. Extra funding, so the last part is the E. So getting extra funding sources, like if you wanna scale, you're gonna need three or four private lenders, two or three hard money lenders, and, and a couple small local banks to deal with. You just need multiple places to go to get the funding to do the deals if you wanna scale. Every single step of this is assuming you want to scale and do more volume. So that's the way to do it. So with that being said, hopefully you enjoyed that mm. segment. Um, you know, if, if you're watching uh, us on YouTube, the, the the cutout of this, make sure you're following and subscribing and, and commenting and all the fun stuff. Appreciate all the comments that we see through coming right now. So. Let's get our guest on now. Everybody, do a golf clap for Dustin Ooh. Sanders. Woo hoo! We got to what's up, big dog? We got to get it happen. Get up there, Dusty. Get on it. Um, so Lucas, while we're getting while Dusty's getting set up and, yeah. and going, would you tell me your favorite knock knock joke? I think um, I think Drake has oh, one the yeah. other day that's super funny. We have what? a book of knock knock jokes. There's there's hundreds of them in there, and honestly, like ninety percent of them are awful. Yes, absolutely. So give me a good awful. one then. All right, knock knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes. Who? Dishes the police. Open up. That's the one I <laughs> thought you were going to say. Oh, there he is. Get the little. That's, that's, that's the one that gets my seven-year-old laughing the most. So, yes, uh, well, Dusty probably and Sam, too. obviously, well, but yes. very similar. Very similar. Cool. Yeah. Get that thing a little closer to your mic. Dusty, so we got Dustin Lee Sanders, as I call him. He is an extraordinaire when it comes to rehabbing. We introduced you a little bit earlier. We said a lot of good stuff, so we're not gonna do that now because you're here. That's not kind of how this works, but Dusty uh, doesn't know how to tie his shoes. That's why he doesn't have shoelaces. Will you show us your shoe, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's called efficiency, bro. So why why does, why, do you just like the look of it too? No, I broke them and Put a new set in. <laughs> Perfect. Are you right? Get that. Get that thing about a fist length away. There you go. About a you six know inches. what length away. Yeah. yeah, six inches. So like that. Super familiar. That's six, six inches. inches, right? Yeah, that's six inches. That's what I keep telling Courtney. Um, awesome. So Dusty, we talked about you a little bit earlier. So I'm um, doing another quick intro. So Dusty is uh, rehabbed more houses in the past five years than probably everybody you know combined, people listening, 75 houses a year between your stuff and our stuff. So you are rehab extraordinary and rehabbing scares people, Dusty, I, which I understand. Um, you know, we make fun of Luke's and I, like we're not handy like you, we're, but we're handier than most, but we still like wouldn't be good at. I can't imagine people that aren't good at, like they don't know which way your screwdriver turns. I mean, I love you too dearly. I would trust Luke with tools before I ever give you. That's, that's, that's not great. accurate at oh all. Oh my gosh! Yes, it is. That's accurate. Yeah, that that is not accurate. Yeah, I'm not even sure I trust you with a paintbrush. I don't hear him in here. Is that is that is that a thing? I don't hear him in here. Do you, Lucas? I don't either. Okay, yeah. so I, I Let's make sure his mic's hot here. Yeah, hot hot mic. It's gotta be. I don't know. I don't hear Try you. Try again, Dusty. Test one two. Okay, now it is. Now you got me. Yeah, no, I Fair think enough. so. Or maybe you're just too so, far away. Yeah, I love you too dearly. Yeah, but I wouldn't trust Sam with a paintbrush but sam was actually, i'm the best i'm a much better painter than you i wouldn't say that um <laughs> you started painting earlier you're faster but it's definitely sloppier it's not sloppy yeah, yeah. speed does not equal yeah better paint was one thing that sam was pretty good at it was one of the things that <clears throat> one of the things that we held on to 
the longest when we transitioned out to contracting our projects out. We were like, all right, we're still going to paint it. We're still going to paint it. So we did that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, save us money. 20, 30 houses. We're at the property anyway, so we would yeah. paint. So um, That's about all we knew how to do. So. Yes, that is. That is. <laughs> that and that and demo. I was good at demo. Actually, we were really, like, I saw people that, like, would take down kitchen cabinets, and they would, like, unscrew them and do all this stuff so it comes out easily. And we would just, like, yeah! and then we'd have to unscrew them, and it was yeah. a mess. It's like karate in every house that you were in. Yes, karate correct. For de- demo karate. Yes. Correct. That's all what right. it was. So, Dusty, we're going to get to it and throw your questions in in the chat in the chat box. Yes, somebody can hear you now, so keep her close. Um, so, Dusty uh, rehabs seventy five houses a year. He owns about an eight million dollar rental portfolio, forty uh, ish units, some um, single families and some uh, multifamily in there as well. He's also one of the coaches of our Faster Freedom community, the sixteen hundred students that own two hundred twenty something million in real estate. So, Dusty knows it. He does it. He coaches on it. He teaches it. So, he is unfortunately the the probably the biggest expert everybody's going to have on here about rehabbing so fair welcome i'm glad to be here well, yeah glad to be here awesome dusty so i um, want you to tell us a little bit about your story and i will just so you know dusty like he he likes to talk so if i'm rude and cut him off that's just for your sake not he can handle it i promise all right I'll so tell honest. me your story um from the beginning like my origin story yeah just kind of just your story in real estate yeah fair um i would have still a friend of mine i was helping do some tenant turns for that had eight or ten properties he was also in the public service arena that i worked in as well and we've been friends since we were uh, probably middle school or elementary and i was doing some tenant turns with him i was going through a weird patch in life and was looking for something else to kind of evolve to the next step and he had turned me into the Faster House Buyers Club, and that had been April of 2017 was my first introduction to real estate investing. And I uh, walked into a, an open community at that time, you know, completely open arms. They welcomed me in. They, I had no idea what the hell I was doing there. Didn't know a single soul in the building, honestly. Uh, ended up sitting down next to the original owners of Faster House, would have been Brian Schroeder, and we had a conversation. And uh, the whole talk that night was just welcoming and everything like that. But the con- conversation in his meetup that night was how to build enough rental portfolios to enough rentals with passive income to replace your W-2 job. So it was a simple formula and calculation, et cetera. How many doors I needed to accumulate in X amount of time to then replace my W-2 income. At that point, I was pretty much hooked on everything real estate. I could not stop. Did you run that night? Yeah. At that point in time, I was a, a whole, uh, probably 40 pounds lighter than I am currently. Not that I'm a big guy, but I have been a big guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not longer, You know what a big yeah, guy is. Yeah, I'm yes. no longer a big guy. <laughs> Dusty has some big guy in him still. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah. doesn't let it out. I don't let that out. I'm a fat kid at heart, 100%. But uh, I went out that night. I left the meetup. I talked to uh, uh, my significant other that night. I told her, I said, hey, my mind is a hot mess. I can't believe I never thought of this beforehand. I've been in public service almost at that point in time, probably 15 years. And I'd been in working in the trade since I was a kid. So I just never made the connection of how I could use my skill set with my hands and my energy level to then make money doing something I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So I went out on a long, I lived in St. Charles at the time, went out on a long run on the Katy Trail, uh, somewhere just less than around 30 miles total. Uh, got home in the middle of the night, it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. I was bloodied and beaten and battered and torn up and was not prepared for a run like that. But that was the only way I could get my mind to to relax and, and think about what I had in front of me. So uh, fast forward a few months, I continued my education. I got into a mastermind, uh, trying to learn everything about real estate. September, October of 20, or that have been 2017, I bought my first rental and I bought three more before the end of the year. And now I've got 40. Yeah, so you, you got, came in hot. 
yeah, came, a, came in hot and heavy. Yeah, that that, <clears throat> that night like is almost like a like a midlife crisis. Yep. Hopefully not midlife. No, no, for not you. But for I mean, you quarter you were, life. You Fair. were in a career for how many years before um, that? Fifteen. Yeah, two thousand and two. I got yeah, so fifteen years. Yeah. And uh, probably just were feeling a type of way. I don't know. You knew something else was out there. Yeah. In, in my career path, I loved what I did. I, I loved everything about it. But it just became more about the money for the business operation yeah. and less about caring for the people I was really out to help. Yeah. And I just tra- it, it became a point in my life where I was like, you know what? This is no longer any fun for me. I want to find something that makes me tick again. And I stumbled into real estate. Yeah, I think uh, Brene Brown says it the best. She call, she doesn't she doesn't like the word midlife crisis. She calls it a, an awakening, and uh, it's when you know the time you spent living the life you thought you were supposed to live, and then. The, from that point on, you get to live the life you were actually supposed to live. And that's what it seems like that was to you. Yeah, to it, it was a absolute turning point for me. I never even thought that there was an avenue outside to make the money that I was making before to then transition and make it at my pace on my timeline, do what I want when I want, control my time, and still get to help others and still yeah. get to help the community. I just never that was never a thought in my mind that's that's the key with you man because yeah. you're you're yeah, help, I, you want to help. love helping yeah, yeah that's that's my sole purpose in life that i've been put on this planet for is to help others yeah that's much better are you hearing way better too yeah, yeah, that, yeah. so that clicked on good perfect yeah working out the kinks of that first episode it's good. It's going good so good um Awesome. So you got in the game. Um, you bugged us for two years until we <laughs> hired you. You were in acquisitions rep for a while, so you probably wholesaled 150 houses, and then you started build rentals and got into the space. And and this is something, and you host a call once a week on Tuesdays, just focus on rehab because yep. it's it's very intimidating to a lot of people. Some people are like. I don't know how to paint, which at least we know how to do that. I don't know how to which way to tighten a screwdriver, which was loosen. It's right to tight, Lucas. <laughs> Righty tighty, lefty loosey. Right to tight is what they say on Bluey. Um, so right to tight. Um, and make sure you can throw your questions in, in, in whatever platform you're on, throw your questions there, and we'll try to get to them as well. But um, So it's intimidating for a lot of people. So why don't you walk through, let's say Mr. Dustin Sanders was starting out and you don't have all the connections you have. How would you go about starting the process? Because obviously, if you're not going to work on the house, how do you go out and meet people and connect with people that will eventually be your contractors? What would you, <coughs> tell, what would you tell the listeners that are just wanting to do this what to do? Yeah, so, find and vet. Let's make sure we find and vet. Fair question. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, I mean, I had all kinds of contacts in the construction world, and I have all kinds of skill sets too, but I knew – uh, that there was a point that I was going to want to scale this, and I could not be the only hammer swinger in the in the adventure. I'll swing like, a hammer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a little tiny guy. Demo. Like Fisher Price demo. A little, little, little finishing. Yeah. Now I picture a hammer with you every time you hit it. It squeaks. Beep beep beep. That's what I picture. A little Fisher Price hammer. So you know, I I had all these connections, but I also had to be that hammer swinger in the beginning just to make sure I could do what I wanted to the properties. And I know we've got a couple pictures we'll put up in a few minutes. But to vet contractors and find them initially, honestly, the easiest way is to stumble into your local meetup, go to networking events like that. You're going to find people that live and breathe to work for other investors because then they don't have to go chase and work. Uh, Contractors all the time, you'll run into them and they'll, hey, I don't have any work going on right now. What else can I do? Well, if you find the contractors that you want to work for or work with, they're going to be always busy doing what they love to do. They may not make every dollar in every single project, but they're going to make a reasonable wage. They're going to work the time that they want to work. They're going to turn out the, the product that you want and then be able to move on. 
So in the beginning, finding contractors, start at your local meetup. That's a super easy place because there's going to be contractors there that then want to be also in the investing space. So they're kind of playing both sides of the fence there. They want to learn what you're doing and how you're doing it. Now you're able to pass that down to them and they're able to pass you rehab skill sets or, or trade skills that you don't have. Yeah. That's that's one place to find them. Meetups, big one. Yep, big ups, meetups. Uh, in your local real estate investing groups on Facebook or social media, you can also ask for contractors there. You're going to get a whole lot of people that may not have the skill sets that they want you to have. So or they we'll, say they have. Or they say they have, correct. So we'll get into that vetting part. The other part, if you're an early riser, I did this all the time, and I still do this to this day, I will be at Home Depot at 6 a.m. or the big box stores at 6 a.m., maybe even 5.30. I want to see the tradesmen that are walking in there at that time of day because those are the guys that are on the street every day doing what they love to do. That's a very simple way to find a contractor. Then to vet them, those are ways to find them. To vet them, I always ask for references. I want to ask for the ability to provide a W-9, so that's proof that they are a tax area. An Just actual legitimate business. Yeah, a legitimate yeah. business. That's the way to put that. A W-9. And then I want them to have insurance or insurability, whether if, if they're a sole operation, you're a small company, you can get by with a liability insurance, you know, different piece of the puzzle. But you definitely want them to have insurance because if something goes wrong on one of your job sites and they're there, that then falls on you. You don't want they fall on that sword. That could get really expensive really quickly. Uh, another way then another way to find a contractor, those are vetting them, you know, kind of bounce around there. Another way to find a contractor, do this a lot still. If I'm in neighborhoods that we're working in and I see another team or company working that need that fits a need that we have, I will absolutely stop, get out of the truck, get a business card and walk up, do a door knock and talk to somebody. Because that way I know they're doing right there. I've just dropped in on a job site that they didn't know I was coming. You can see their work. I too. can see their work. I can see their level of cleanliness. I can see how they're progressing through a project that I have nothing, no knowledge of. But I will stop and door knock a house to get to find somebody like that. That's the guy that does a lot of our painting that isn't just our general crews. That's how we found him. I literally saw him in Maryland Heights painting a house, had a nice vehicle. He was sitting out with his son on the front porch having lunch. I just popped out of the truck, handed him my card. We talked. I got references from him immediately from the homeowners. I got other contacts from them shared, was able to make that connection. And he's painted a bunch of houses for us in the last couple of years too. Yeah, that's super cool. Shane asked, uh, what about remotely? And I'll try to answer this <coughs> real quick. But to me, it's you have to have some sort of partner on the ground to yep. be able to rehab and find contractors effectively, whether that's you know a project manager, a real estate agent, inspector, someone to go do all the things that Dusty just said for you in the market that you want to invest in, yep. period. Um, in, in any other ways that, that you can handle that or find contractors or vet them remotely that you guys know? I of? mean, there's so there's the online Facebook groups and things like that. So I could be living in California and join the local real estate investing Facebook group here in Missouri and ask all the questions that you said and start to get the contact base, but you still need somebody to meet them. So that's yeah. why we always say, if you're picking a remote market, if you're still kind of up in the air, ideally somewhere that is somewhat close to you and or hopefully both, that you have some type of connection, a college yep. buddy, a college <clears throat> girlfriend, a high school friend, a cousin, you know, a family member, somebody that you can pay or partner with that's willing to go just meet people. They can FaceTime yep. when you're there with technology. You just need somebody on the ground that you truck to kind of be your errand boy, your errand girl, just for a little bit to go to these properties and have some type of connection. And it might take a while. That's why you might not be able to pick St. Louis. That's why maybe you pick Indianapolis. You just got to find a market, preferably in like the, the Sun Belt, the Rust Belt, that is a good market that you have a connection with. Yeah, because having the boots on the ground, it's not integral every day, 
But if you only have one project going on and you don't check on it at all, that guy could be getting paid for doing work elsewhere and you yep. don't even know it. Yep. So even just, I mean, honestly, anymore, I'm getting ready to set up uh, one for us Friday. You can actually buy a job site security system that is deployable every in every house that has cameras on it. Now you can keep an eye on your contractor when you're not even there. Just make yeah. sure they're there doing it. And Correct. I think you could also do something like what, what Kiki did is um, when he was living in Hawaii, wanting to invest in St. Louis, he would make, you know, Trips, trips every yeah. once in a while mm -hmm. to um, you know meet contractors, build relationships, get the project kicked off, and then he would go back. Go back, and I, I I never think it's a bad idea to go see and feel the market that you're investing in at least a few times a year. Yeah, yeah. that's part of the reason why I say I think it's good to have a connection there, and then preferably close. So if you're like in California. You can do the Midwest, but what if like suburbs of of, of Phoenix or something yeah. would be good, or you know somewhere like suburbs of Vegas even. So like, if you're in California, great. If you want to do Missouri, we'll take we'll sell you the freaking house. But if you can get there in a, a you know 45 minute flight or you know four or five hour drive, that's probably preferable yeah. at least at first. Cool. Um, we talked about uh, finding good contractors, mm -hmm. and to me, that's that's the majority of the effort and. Um, uh, that's top priority to me w when talking about a rehab. Uh, but there's also, I would say, the so that's the labor piece, but there's also the material piece of things. Yep. Like you have to physically put things in, right. into a house. So, um, you know, how do you find good materials at a cheap price? And secondly, uh, do, do you give your contractors the um, autonomy to go out to there and do that themselves? Or is that something you want to control? Uh so we kind of do it, or I do it a variation of ways, depending on the contractor that's coming in. If I can paint them a picture of the vision that I have and we've been working together long enough, the big ticket items, I'm going to source and identify. But if they need to run out and pick up, you know, a couple of small items, they have the autonomy to do that or the autonomy to do that. But I'm going to try to design this house when I, as soon as I walk in the door and I get my feel for the entire house, I want to design a house that when somebody walks in, they want to live there, not have to live there. Yeah. That's a totally two different populations of people. You can only be able to afford to live in this house and that's your last chance to find a home over your, or put a roof over your head. That's not the people I'm going after in a rehab or even my rental situations. I want to build a house that we would all love to live in even though it's in a different neighborhood than where we currently live. <clears throat> so I'm going to pick out products that I have tried and tested and abused and assaulted with my wife, four Goodness kids. gracious, Dusty. Assaulted? Assaulted. Oh, heck yeah. I got four kids and two dogs. They're terrorists they're in my house. Shit. Yeah, they're horribly yeah. hard on stuff. Yeah. So I want to make sure that anything I put in a house has a vetted track record by me and my people, inner circle of people, because then I know if I put it in there, I don't have to worry about it in six months falling apart mm -hmm. because that's the last thing I want to do with even just my small business of almost 40 doors. I don't want a phone call with somebody telling yeah. me that, hey, the floor's got a crack in it because it's too cheap. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm going after. I put the same floors and same kit cabinet, same countertop, same light fixtures that I would put in my personal house, just sourcing them in different locations to try to keep the cost down. But then I also, when doing that level of a rehab, even in a rental space, I can push the market on that rent. I get a tenant that wants to live there, not has to live there. I get a tenant that stays that five years or a tenant that then understands what we do in our business. And then when they need a bigger house, their family's grown, they give me a call like, hey, I'm looking for a house in St. Charles County. I need a four bed, two bath. Then I'll go out and search that house, buy it from a wholesaler, rehab it, and then they just move in. Then on this tenant side, tenant turn side of that, then their family or friends apply for a house that they're already well aware of. So my marketing cost for tenants is even less just by doing those pieces, making a house 
as nice as you possibly can with some key fun features even as a rental to where somebody just drawn in they they feel that this is home yeah there's a ton of benefits to going a little bit further and i think we i'm honest i learned a lot of that from you i you would make them nicer than like we would make them and you know we we definitely always made them nice but you go to that next level and i saw the benefits of the tenant the the refinance the uh you know getting more money out the you know the getting more for rent the getting the tenant to stay longer so there's a ton of benefits i think one of those lessons when you get when we all collaborated in the beginning and that really light bulb turned on was when we had a house identical to each other on the same freaking street and mine appraised out 25k more than what the same house two doors down did that was a a a life-changing moment for all of us like hey we're on to something here Mm -hmm. making them nicer is definitely the best way to go for sure um so how would you suggest you know somebody they find some contractors they are trying to figure out ways to um you know get the project done on budget and on time what are some tips for that and and great <coughs> question shane we'll get to that in the q a's but keep um, throwing your questions out on your on your labor side like on the labor side that's your kind of uncontrollable you don't know how long it's going to take mm-hmm. them how many hours etc so i try to set them up and we do the same way you know in our in the bigger business upstairs when we walk a property with a contractor we give them a budget on what we think their labor is going to be like if i'm we have this calculated down pretty good with as many projects as we do but we have an idea what it's going to be so if i can say i'm hoping to shoot for i'm going to spend twenty eight thousand dollars on labor in this house they come back at 34 we can meet in the middle ground somewhere that's a controllable number at that point then if i can control my material cost if i know what those are up front and have those kind of identified what it's going to cost me staying on budget isn't terribly hard as long as you don't find those unforeseeable things that pop up in houses then they they always do we do these eight or nine at a time right now and shit happens honestly you so you can't see can't say shit on here or oh. fuck well you've already said them both so yeah. i'm just jumping on if, if there's quotes, quotes around, around it we can't, it, we can't yes. oh, okay so every time i cuss i gotta go like yeah. this mm-hmm. got it i'm on i got this so those if we can control those unforeseen things which we have learned to do now with just the the way we look at a property we actually do kind of a viability study before we actually turn it loose to a rehab so we have a pretty good idea and i think in 2023 other than three or four outliers our budget variance was less than five percent over 30 plus rehabs that we did for your business alone so that's just based on how we set them up in the beginning and how we work backwards through the numbers yeah no i i think uh, i would add on to that the the the, the simplest form is communicate with your project um, <coughs> managing your project or your contractors communicate yep. with them as far as the expectation the budget you have put in the time frame just communicate and, and get fee- immediate feedback as much as possible rather than just letting them go not checking on the project and seeing what happens that will never end well and try to stay away from the the i don't want to say all contractors are this way but the contractor that pushes time and material i don't want that all the time because if they work slow or they can't put their cell phone down or they can't put their radio down or they can't leave their other coworkers alone your timeline goes and then your profit goes the opposite direction because they're taking longer to do the work and you're paying them more and all your profit gets eaten up yeah and just simple things like you know weekly house visits um, yep. and a, a lot of times it, the easiest part of the project is probably the first few weeks you know demo you know yep. the, the big stuff right uh, so that part might seem like it goes well but as that project nears completion uh, um, is when 
it's probably the most challenging and most important for you to stay in the constant communication with your contractor. That last five or 10% is extremely challenging and you need to be on top of it, communicating and working with your contractors to get those done. Absolutely, and then the in that last 10% is some of the most critical work that you'll do if you're setting fixtures and setting cabinets and putting door hardware on and putting lights up. Those are all things that can bite you in the ass and cause major amounts of money. Ass. Oh, yes, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, quoted it. Uh, that can all those little bitty items can actually add up on the end of a project, and if you don't allocate enough time, you it'll run away from you in a hurry. For sure. And if you're wanting some help with that <coughs> and you're watching, um, it's super simple website. We have a free calculator for you. So Faster Freedom, our company, FasterFreedomCalculator.com. It's a free analyzer tool that we use that runs through how, the what price to pay, but also runs through an entire rehab budget room by room of how you can separate and add up the cost. So and, it makes it super and easy. On that calculator, that's the numbers and the math there are based off every rehab we've done in the last number of years. We're able to calculate backwards based off square footage because we do a volume of them that most don't. Mm -hmm. So it gets you really close to your what I would consider your costs are going to be in like the Midwest above the yeah, Mason Dixon line. You need to do your due you know, diligence per market, but right. yeah, it gets you close. It, it'll get you real close for awesome. sure. Cool. All right. So you get down to the end of this dang project, right? We're talking about that <coughs> last 10%. Um, well, let me, let me fast forward a little bit here. Um, so you um, finish the project and you're going towards um, – you know, say you're going to sell this house. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you are going to have people in that house that put an offer on it, that get under contract, that hire an private, a private inspector that picks that house apart. Uh, also, you'll have another inspection that you'll have to pass with the municipality. Yep. So what are some best practices of setting the house up the right way so it doesn't throw any red flags up during either of those inspections? So um, the the third-party retail inspection is a wild card in our state, <laughs> unfortunately, because yeah. there are really, in the state of Missouri, there's not a licensing or governing body for any mm -hmm. home inspectors. And that's probably fair through most of the right. United States, to be honest. They're not all created equally, and how they report what they find can be peaceful, or you could give the same inspector or the same house to a different inspector, and what they report is then almost, uh, I'm not going to say malicious, but the way it's written is like the fucking sky In, is falling. Into the world. Yeah. <laughs> into the world, right. Yeah. And, and we've had that recently, oh, yeah. honestly. We actually had two deals fall apart mm -hmm. you know, under contract, and both of them were very simple repairs yeah. and done in a, few, a matter of minutes. But what was found and the way it was reported was sounded catastrophic. So I like to go through every house, and I still do this now. I've done it already once or twice this week. I will take in a set of like minor inspectionary tools. Like I'll take in outlet testers, and um, uh, I've got a uh, thermal imaging camera and some other things that I'll take in. I will test every outlet in the house. I will test every switch in the house. I will test everything that functions with any sort of function. Water heaters, HVAC, AC. Uh, bathroom fixtures, your toilets, all of it. Because then I know that when I turn this over onto the market, there's very little that yep. somebody's going to come back and be like, oh, this is a piece of shit. The toilet doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it worked yesterday. Yeah. I was shit. there. Yeah, shit. So it worked yesterday. But it, it does happen. And then we'll also, your municipal inspections here in our area, yep. a lot of them, you can actually get a copy of what they're looking for on their occupancy inspection. Get one. Look at it and then go through it line by line. It's print St. Louis County. You can print it off the internet. So we will go through and we've built like an end of project checklist now yeah. to where we go through and we'll test everything. And we usually try to do that like Monday before we list or Tuesday before we list because then we get 
uh, cleaning and everything Wednesday, Thursday, and it goes live Friday. So we have a schedule plan out, but then that gives me time before it goes live to go in and make any minor tweaks that I need to make or any touch-up repairs. Or I mean, you could have one ground or one neutral disconnected in your electrical system and the whole house goes dark. I mean, that's going to show up on inspection or yeah. super obvious when somebody walks in, flips a light, and nothing works. That's going to be a red flag. So starting from the outside in, we will make a lap around the house and we'll actually assess like gutters, make sure they're on, make sure that we're not overflowing, make sure the yard's cleaned up. There's no trip hazards on any of the concrete or flat work. All the stairs are you know, where they need to be. All the handrails are where they need to be. It's a very simple process, but there's just a list of things that we'll go through and walk through them. And when we get to market, nine times out of 10, we don't have any issues and our municipal inspections are, are a laughable most days, like super easy. We get a, we do after you do that enough and get good at it, you'll get first time pass on occupancy and, and on the municipal inspections too. You just learn what they're looking for. Then when you get the inspector there, I will always tell you on the municipal side and any of your uh, permittable inspections be there or have your yeah, contractor sure. there mm -hmm. because then that gives you can guide that inspector through the house because if you don't, now they got a lockbox and they may have an hour slated for your inspection. Mm -hmm. and they're going to just walk through and destroy you, not because they want to, but that's just their their mindset when they get there and it's an open house. So be there, mm -hmm. talk to them, build relationships with them, build rapport with them. That's huge because when something does go wrong, now you got to phone a friend that is actually your subject matter expert in the community that you're working in. Yeah, that is. Un, that is beyond valuable. So, to would you, you suggest uh, a lot of people say leave a couple obvious things for the <laughs> inspector to catch so they feel like they're doing their job so they don't dig for something? Would you suggest that yes or no? I used to do that. Yeah, honestly, hundred percent. I would leave in nine times out of ten the parts that I would be missing or things that I would leave oh, behind. Oh, it's in my car. It was in the drawers of the. It was already oh, in the house. Yeah. Like I had it stashed there, and be like, "Oh, you don't have this? Oh, yeah, I do. Here it is." Boop, I didn't boop. see that album yeah, cover wasn't it. on. You know, something simple because. Oh no. They they feel like you they caught me. Yeah, you <laughs> caught me red-handed. And it, it honestly, it would be super simple things, but those little items, just one or two of them, you know, leave a leave your garbage disposal, you know, plug in or something. They're gonna run it like, "Oh, here it is. Boom. It's no big deal. You just unplug it, two screws, and boom, you're done." Like little simple things. Don't leave anything catastrophic. But or anything that you need that they're going to call a permit yeah. on. Oh, a permit on, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and the permit, of, you know, once you get past those permit inspections, but the end-to-buyer retail third-party inspectors, they are not all cut from the same cloth. Like, they're just not. It's unfortunate, but there's no standard of... of they're going to uh, find something whether you leave it for correct. them or not. Correct. Those I know. I, yeah. I was, yeah. But on the municipality side, I think, is where yours comes yep. into play a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, like, oh, I forgot I, a I CO detector. Oopsie-daisy, yeah. you know, or... You get, you know, they need, in this municipality, they need one per floor of the house. Okay, well, I put one in, the other two are in the basement. Yeah. You know, because so when they come in, they're like, oh, you don't have a CO detector. Got you. Yeah, dude, they're in the drawer. Be back, yeah. no problems at all. This is easy. So I, I think the most important part of that is having some sort of end of project checklist, or you can call it a pre-inspection checklist yep. before you go to the rental market, before you go to the retail market, before you get an occupancy inspection execute that into project checklist, whether it's you, whether it's uh, your contractor, somebody that has the skills to go through that paper, check, 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 check. You can build your own, you can pull yeah, it from the website. We um, I think a, a real important part to, to not get confused here is, 
that last five or ten percent part of the project and the end of project checklist. Yep. Those are completely different. You need to finish the rehab completely before you get into this checklist. Yes, hundred percent. And that and like I said, the five to ten percent in the last is usually your like nitty gritty of setting fixtures and toilets and trim kits and your light trim kits and you know door locks and all the things that you need smoke detectors co detect all those pieces of the puzzle is that last little bit after countertops go in backsplash things like that once the, all those items are identified and done get your checklist out and start walking through it because then you have time to bring your contractors back before you get the market yep. breathing down your neck i like it and somebody asked do you need an llc to rehab a project and the answer to that no. is no you don't need an llc however if you're in the rehab game, or if you're in the real real estate investing game, I would suggest getting an LLC, and we can help you get one. I feel like we just have we have an answer for everything they want. So if you want help using our LLC partner Prime, um, there's probably a link in the description um, on YouTube and the show notes on the podcast platforms. If not, just DM me on Instagram LLC, and I'll send you some information. So Dusty, let's kind of go through um, go through some pictures, and for the radio <laughs> audience, I apologize, we'll describe them, but let's go through some pictures and kind of walk through oh boy. kind of a typical rehab. This is so typically what we're kind of looking at dusty kind of describe the pictures for the radio audience. actually this is this is uh kinda my like very it. first house that i ever bought this is 295 paul avenue that was the thing in the 80s or yep. 70s so right there. In, in the beginning and this is kind of the, the topic that we touched on a little earlier find you know uh finding or making a rehab out that somebody wants to live and not has to live in in the beginning the the mentor that i had great guy just wasn't in my cup of tea for what we wanted as tenants this is the level of finish that I was coached into. Grant, what I coined grandma nice, right? Clean and functional, nothing fancy, just make the house, good bones, make everything work. 70s, Bring, right? This is yeah, probably 70s, 70s, 70s. Okay. 100%. This okay. is 1970s. So this is a house that was a, I want to say $125,000, $130,000 ARV. I had a budget of $10,000. No, let's say $10,000 on it. I went in and spent like five grand in this house and you'll see i literally painted it changed light fixtures there's a couple of pictures that tyler's got here but uh all the bathroom pink I, why pink. was pink ever a thing for i've no, i still don't understand it the amount of pink. bathrooms that we pink. look at that are just a horrific color of these old like pastels and paisley like awful so blue blue right so this was before this is after i did my rental rehab in the beginning we went to market somewhere around like November, December. I got no interest in this house. On the rental side? On the rental side. Okay. Not a single, the only people that were applying or were looking at this house were hardened criminals, pedophiles, people that were measuring a, distances to the school that's zone. That's a sky blue toilet. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why I ever thought that that was a good idea, I have no idea. It matches the tile and yeah, the tub. And the tub and, and the, the floor. floor. It matches yeah. the whole fuck. the whole freaking bathroom's blue. What's that over on the right there like, to the right of the faucet? Oh, that's a tooth. That's soap. You didn't know? That's that, how I staged okay. it. It matches the yeah. soap. Yeah. So, I nice mean, literally. Well. So, I bought two houses within about three weeks of each other. And the coach that I had at the time, great guy, you know, just, you know, not in the same space that I wanted to be bringing tenants into. So I gave him an or I gave him kind of a bet or an ultimatum. I said, "Hey, well, I'm going to do one house your way. I'm going to do one house my way. Same values, roughly the same budget, and I want to see which one pulls more rent, which one rents up faster." So I did the second house, which was uh, on Yaki, and I had the same budget, same style of house, everything. I spent my full ten grand in there. It rented up on New Year's weekend with like 50 people in a, it looked like a retail house. It you was got the wild. Of that too, right? Yeah. Uh, not of that one, but I got after. So then. That proved to me that bringing a nicer product to market was huge. So then we got the secondary pictures of this. I went back into this house, spent another $2,500. I did all the work myself, 
spend another 2500 bucks, and now you're going to see what that did. Th that's the same kitchen. I, I literally that one. I painted. I took all the cabinets apart. We had them painted. Uh, I actually up, you know, did a little island there set up with a breakfast bar and butcher block tops. Those are all the same cabinets, right? So I did the little backsplash. I took out that ugly freaking wall oven mm. and did an over-the-range microwave. Yeah. Perfect. New floor in there. Bought from Menards on clearance. Like, nothing fancy. The bathrooms, that I went into both bathrooms. I just had them glazed. Put new, va yeah, new vanities in. bucks glazed yeah. done. Got rid glazing, of soap. Got rid of my sweet soap dispenser. Yeah. Did the glazing, and I actually put a, an LVP floor down right over the tile. It's a so white toilet. That's much yep. more appropriate. Much more appropriate. And then the back bathroom, the same way. That's the rear bathroom. What's up with house. your shower heads, bro? Those are old school, man. That's oh. what it was. All right. So now, when I did that, we put this one back on the market. So I spent the extra 2500 bucks. I had like 10 tenants apply, and I had tenants for my next five rentals in the queue already tuned up. So putting that house out there that somebody wants to live in and not has to live in is huge to me. I and like that. That was like the very first, that was the first house that I ever touched as a investment property. Now, every house I'm doing has crown molding and custom showers and custom kitchens and all the right fixtures that you'd want in a half a million dollar house in a $150,000 rental. Mm -hmm. But then I get to drive my rental numbers up where we all have houses in the same neighborhoods or even you know brian and debbie schroeder have a house in the same neighborhood as me same exact house they get 1400 i get 2200 same house yeah the value in this is putting out that product that somebody falls in love with and feels home and warm and fuzzy drives your rent up drives your income up they stay longer you don't burn money on tenant turns when you do tenant turn You've put in a quality type of material and style to where you're it's cleaning, not replacing. Yeah, you're cleaning, not replacing. I couldn't tell you, like my last three tenant turns have been less than twenty five hundred bucks start to finish, done in three days and right back on the market in full in two weeks. Yeah, that's huge. You're only down a month instead of months mm -hmm. Makes by a big putting difference. in a, a nice bulletproof product. For yeah. sure. No, there's a lot that goes into rehabbing. It's one of those things where you just have to do it to actually understand it and you just have to kind of screw up and fail and do things the wrong oh. way and most people would go the cheap route and then go the other route so pretty standard process as far as i feel like most people do it but just understanding the quality and the importance of a quality product it just helps everything oh it'll save you those phone calls in the middle of the night you know i've even in in the process of doing all my rentals i've even like safeguarded that to where if somebody has an issue in the middle of the night we've got options for them without even calling me mm -hmm. to where i don't have the headache you know when we're in aruba or mexico or fishing or hunting whatever we're doing like as a do. family yeah gussie goes on a, yep. out of the country every other month leaving next week i know but that gives me the ability to know that if something happens i'm not getting that phone call in a panic mode it's like hey Call this guy, he'll take care of you. He's already got keys at the house. He can make access off this lockbox. Boom, we're in. I don't have to even go there yeah, to make sure stuff gets done in a timely fashion. I love it. Well, look, how about our everybody put first. their hands together for our very <laughs> first <laughs> our very first subject matter expert, Dusty. <laughs> that freaking horn. That's to me. Yeah. You did good. You did it. Uh, you did good, kid. We only did went eight, we only went eight minutes over over time, seven minutes over time. That would have I would have lost some money thinking that you uh, we would have kept oh, you. You said ten plus? Yeah, I would have yeah. said 10 plus. I thought yeah. I did all right. You I can talk 100%, and they I'm both aware. know how to get me back on track, and neither one of them goldfished me, so it was uh, good. I didn't goldfish you. I almost did, but I did not. Goldfish is what uh, you say to Dusty to get him to stop talking. Yep, it happens. I like to chat. Awesome. All right, buddy. Give me give me some Thanks. nuts. I pre oh, oh, appreciate Thanks, that. Man. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it, Dusty. I'll good job. out of here. You're good, my man. 
All right, now let's. Uh, we're going to get into some Q and A on here, where we're going to answer your questions. So feel free, whatever platform you're on, to ask them. Um, we have a few out there that we can get to. Yeah, I've seen some go through the Facebook chat. I got some on my phone that were sent to me. So you know, there, there's something that this will grow. We're going to do calls on these, which is going to be super, super fun to have people call, and we got to figure out that technology. We have to figure out. You know, this is our very first episode, so we're going to just grow from this. This is like the bare bones. We have new segments we want to introduce. We have new um, types of things that we want to do. Lucas, I want to, in the future, I want to like look at some of our viral videos and have you watch them maybe for the first time and like break down why they went viral. Because I think that'll obviously give exposure to the videos for the new audience, but also it's fun to see why videos go viral or not. So there's a lot of things that we're going to be adding to this, but this is that baseline. The reason I say that is just to talk about the fact that we're going to, um, you know, probably just answer a few questions that were asked. So let, let's just get to that first one from Shane Lucas. Once you read it and, and take a stab at it. Yeah, appreciate you guys. What about finding private money lenders and hard money lenders? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, very different. You know, the hard money lenders are more of a business corporation type. You know, um, private money lender is usually an individual that has some some cash sitting around. So very different ways to find them. A uh, hard money lender is more like a like a bank. So um, I would utilize uh, your local meetups and also just Google. You know, hard money lenders in such and such area and uh, just give them a call start building a relationship like anything else in real estate the stronger the relationship you have with that hard money lender the more um you know the easier it's going to be to get those deals done uh the, the first one's always going to be the hardest you know they might you know come in with a lower appraisal they might uh not want to give you as much loan proceeds as you would like but uh i think it's good to just push through and that that'll continue to get better and better as the relationship builds um, but yeah, vet, vet your private lenders as they'll be vet. I'm sorry, vet your hard money lenders as, as they'll be vetting you as well. Private money lenders, you want to take that one, Sam? Yeah, I can. And this just kind of trying to tie all this together. So this is the E, the extra funding and the scale. You want to build multiple relationships with multiple hard money lenders and private money lenders. If you want to scale, you're only going to be able to do so many projects with either one. Even yeah. hard money lenders aren't going to, they have more money, but they're going to limit what they lend you. And private money lenders are people, so they don't have unlimited money. So private money lenders are tougher for people and i i see this more and more recently and i think luke you've heard me explain this a little bit maybe that's why you threw it my way but private money lenders it just it's the confusion of where people look for them so they don't find them because they're looking in the wrong spots people think that a private money lender is a rich mom a rich aunt and uncle which that's rarely the case if it is good for you and good for them but that's utilize not, that money yes, if you have it but don't be not, afraid to ask yeah but it's not realistic <laughs> yeah. but that is for some not yeah. for all but if you're looking for that person that's a multimillionaire with $10 million in the bank. And you're saying, I don't know anybody that has that. Well, I don't know if we know anybody that's $10 yeah. million in the bank either. So you're looking in the wrong place. You need to look for everyday W-2 corporate employees, your prototypical private lender. And, and there's a ton of different ones, but your, your prototypical to private lender is going to be someone in their 40s and early 50s. They have lived at their house for 15 or 20 years, so they have equity in the house that they can pull a home medical line of credit and lend to you. They have an IRA that they can self-direct that they've been contributing for 20 years. They have, you know, 401k that they can borrow against their employees been matching. They have, you know, a you know potential money market account that they can pull from a CD coming up. That's um, our latest private lender had a CD maturing that, that they gave us money from. So it's just somebody that has access to 50, 75, 100, 150 grand, not millions. You're not asking for their entire your you know nest egg you're asking for a portion of their nest egg so it can grow um, into a bigger egg so you're just trying to help them diversify their retirement funds via whatever plant uh, platform so everybody listening knows 
a corporate W-2 employee in their 40s and 50s that has access to funds one of those ways. So if you start to look in the right place, then you have to start having the right conversations. Yeah, beautiful. Next question here from Zach. Can we hit that one, guys? Um, what are what are good meetups in St. Louis? Can I hit that one real quick? Yeah, do it. Yep. Yeah, it's on here. I know we got some other like uh, you know uh, other questions to get yep. to, but Zach threw it in there, so we'll get to that. Um, I'm just gonna keep it super simple. Yes, dude. you know exactly where to do. It's it's the one it's the one and only. No, there's there's multiple, but my, my favorite. And there's only uh, one, especially because the other ones are night. So just tell more one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the one that we you know operate and host uh, with uh, with with Brian Schroeder is. Um, a buyer's club and it's the third thursday of every single month uh six o'clock here at our office uh it's 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 fantastic it's the one sam and i've been going to long before we've hosted it we started going there back in 2015 or 2016 we used to you know buy houses from there build relationships uh it's it's really powerful about 250 uh, people come contractors vendors uh, real estate investors, all types of knowledge where you can network and get some good inv- uh, information from whoever is presenting as well. So Buyers Club, uh, Sam and I are presenting this coming Thursday. So uh, this will drop before that, oh, correct? It's right now, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we're live. It's done. live. So, yeah, this coming Thursday, which is what, the 15th, 15th February yep. 15th, Sam and I are presenting about all the freaking mistakes we made and how we've learned from them and how we're going to get better going forward. So Buyers Club, start there. And if you want more in addition to that, I'm, I'm sure you can find those as I well. think now that we're like open to the public with live, I think, and this is me, not you, this is talking to myself, you too, maybe we should avoid the F word. Maybe I think other words are okay, but like we're live and I don't know. I just feel did like, I, did I, I, so, no, I, I have been and so was Dusty. Well, I mean, if you use quotes, you'll be I. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's uh, probably the best practice. But anyways, there's some more questions and some will pop up, but I have one here on my phone. So um, Sleepy Ivan says, I want to learn how to wholesale. How can I start? Mm. So dig into this a little bit first. Um, we taught, we, so we went to, um, you know, we talked about the Burr's method in this one, you know, we're going to do an REI school on wholesaling. So make sure you're following us on all social medias and especially YouTube, where this is going to be kind of streamed the best way and saved live every single week on Wednesday and Thursday, as well as on the podcast platforms. That's where like this, these are going to be housed long-term live on TikTok, live on Instagram, maybe even Facebook. We're not going to like save those. So make sure you're subscribed to, uh, to same faster freedom and maybe even Lucas faster freedom soon. And I'll uh, make sure on all the, um, you know, all those long form platforms where you're going to get us talking about this kind of stuff. Cause we have probably 20 videos on our YouTube when we were do- doing um, in the field videos about wholesaling. I've done podcasts about wholesaling. So I'm going to answer your question, but just want you to know that there's more resources within our network and within our content for you to learn. But if you want to learn about wholesaling, the best thing to do is connect with a local wholesaler in your market. Like you can be a bird dog for them, or you can, you know, just work alongside them. They'll probably let you shadow them. I mean, people in the real estate industry, active real estate investors is a very small group. Tire kickers is a big group of active investors and they're probably willing to help. So contact your local wholesalers. You can find them on local bandit signs you see on the side of the road, text them, befriend them, go to Facebook groups, go to meetups and get to know other wholesalers in your market and just kind of shadow them for a while. Cause it, it's a process walls. You got to find the property, you got to, you got to negotiate, you got to find it at the right price. You got to be able to shop it. So it's quite a bit of a process more than we can get into in this segment. But in general, there are answers online, especially through our stuff. And then, you know, uh, that's what I would suggest doing connecting. Would you, would you agree with that? I would agree with that, Sam. Awesome. All right. On to the next one. I believe we probably have some more that we can pop up on the screen. I love that own your freedom billboard, though. That is sharp. I believe we have another one to get to. Perfect. Walls, you take this one. Yeah. From Mike, uh, what do you mean when you're saying buy, it a, buy a property at a discount? 
Are you referring to a hard money loan? That's a good question. We probably should uh, elaborate on buying at a discount. Buying at a discount means uh, pretty much exactly what it, what, what it sounds like is, you know, uh, buy it for less than it's worth. Uh, and there's a certain discount percentage that we put on everything. So if, it's, if, it, if it would sell on the retail market for $100,000, buying it at a discount would be buying it less for 100. It could be 95, could be 90, could be 80, could be 85, could be 50 thousand dollars just buy it at a discount um, we use a certain discount percentage to um, bake in um, you know we use a certain discount percentage to protect us number one but also we know what banks are going to lend us on the back end of the birth strategy so we like to use between 75 percent and 80 percent of a discount percentage so it's worth 100 grand fixed up use a 75% discount percentage. So you take 75% of 100, which is 75 grand, minus estimated repair costs, say 25 grand on this house. So 75 minus 25 is 50 grand. That's what you need to buy the house for to be at a appropriate LTV and to be able to refinance out on the back end without having to dip into your own pocket too much. And to reiterate, we're going to do an REI school on the max level offer formula to get your discount. So all of this stuff, again, great questions, but this all stuff is going to be dug deeper and wider into which Lucas knows nothing about either. All right. So we got a question from Scott here on Instagram. He says, how much do I need if I want to do a burr on my very first property into a duplex with one kitchen shared by the two tenants? And it would be possible to do this at 17 under my parents' name with a 50-50 split quite a bit in there. I'll, I'll break it down a little bit because I got in front of me walls okay. and then you can add some flavor to it. So um, you can do this with a duplex for sure. You, if you're do, if you're burying it um, and if you're if you're not living in it, I would assume there's nothing about house hacking. You can do with with a you can do this with a duplex. Um, you don't need a ton of extra money. Now you're 17, so I'm, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But in general, assuming you don't know your age, you can do this at um, you know you can do this with a duplex for sure. You don't need a ton of extra money because you're not going to be hopefully needing to use it. But it's okay. I would say having five to ten grand in the bank is a good thing. Um, and then having a shared kitchen is a little bit odd. Um, it's kind of like almost living like a dorm style. I think that would deter a lot of tenants just personally for your situation. I think it's still possible. Some tenants will be okay with it, but you're not going to get market rent. If there's a duplex down the street that has its own kitchen, own bathroom and separated space, that's going to get more rent than your shared kitchen. So just, just know that going in. And then as far as I think your only option at 17 is to partner with a parent. Um, you have to be 18 to legally execute contracts in the United States on the real estate side. So being 17, uh, you can partner with your parents, but honestly, I'm going to let you take this one. What would you tell him at 17 years old to do? What would I tell him at 17? I thought you, I'll go. I thought you had to just um, learn as much as you can. Like, don't try to buy a rental at 17. I feel like it's really cool, but I feel like that that's really tricky to do. Like, I, as much as I don't want to say don't do it, you have to partner with yeah. somebody to do all that. Just wait till you're 18, 17, stay out of trouble. Don't do drugs. Learn as much as you can. Make connections. Like I feel like you're 17. You don't even really know what you want. You should, well, don't do some drugs, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I think I think people mature differently, right? You always say the phrase of everybody wish they bought real estate earlier. So if you wait till he's 18 or 19, be like, damn it! I, I wish, wish I, I would have started earlier. 17. So uh, I was, what was I doing? You know, in junior, in you know, my junior year in, in high school, freaking in, in home ec class. I yeah, should have been buying real estate. For sure. Estate. Yeah. Dig in. Maybe maybe wholesale a couple properties. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of options there. A lot of options there. But if, I mean, if your parents are willing to partner with you, on, I don't think that's bad, bad juju at all. I think that's a good, yeah. good idea. Very cool. What other questions we got, Prim? Uh, I think we got. I think got, we got to them all. No, I, I don't think so. I think there's probably another one or two that uh, can pop up. What do you? Oh, that's Mike. All right, here we go. Chris's walls. I'll let you uh, take this one. I took the last one. Yeah. What's your minimum cash flow percentage on a deal 
before it's a no deal for Good you. Question. So yeah, it's a great question. So most of our rentals here in um, the St. Louis area, the, the the areas that we'd like to buy in within St. Louis um, are all pretty similar um, ARVs, I would say. All of our rentals are worth between 150 and $300,000, give or take. Uh, majority of them are probably, probably worth $190,000. That's probably our yeah. average. Mm -hmm. So um, get probably close to 200 now, just clean number for average. For sure. Yeah. Let's say, let's say 200 grand. So we don't stray too far from that. So uh, we don't go off a percentage every single time, but I'll, I'll give you an one answer standard for that. deviation off. Yes. Just one, maybe 1.25. Depending uh, on the derivative. Yeah. So we look for a net cash flow as, as, as a dollar amount. Cause we know uh, we're not, here, let me let me say this for two hundred thousand dollar property. We look for a net 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 cash flow, so rental income minus every single expense you can think of uh, for about two hundred dollars a door per month. Okay, um, now we wouldn't look for two hundred thousand dollars a door a month if that's a million dollar rental. Pro sorry, two hundred dollars a door a month if that's a million dollar rental property. That doesn't make sense. But we know we're not buying a million dollar rental property, so uh, not knowing what market you're in, uh, you can use a uh, uh, cap rate formula is what I like to call it. And uh, we'd like to make sure you're at at least 8% cap rate. Uh, I know that might be getting a little technical right now. So look at your rental income and then um, subtract, oh, this can be a tough one. Uh, rental income for the year, um, subtract all your expenses or estimated expenses for that project besides debt. Besides debt. Okay. Besides that, your mortgage payment. Besides your mortgage payment. So that gives you an NOI, an annual NOI is what they call net operating income. You take that number and you divide it by how much money you put into the house. So purchase price plus rehab. And that should be at 8% or above. So that'll help you not have like a number and that'll help you analyze a deal based on any range of uh, of, of uh, value. Sorry, that was probably a little deep. That wasn't too that. bad. Well, that's the <laughs> first time I've ever done gone deep before. All yeah. right, so do you say data or data? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe switch it up. Keep them, keep them on their toes. Well, what do you you say? One. I don't know which okay. one I say. All right, I would so, love for you to. So good at answering questions. Yeah. Um, data. Right, let's, let's get on. Data. Probably data. Just if you look at the data. Yeah. I if you look you at the data. I don't know. I, I think, think you I say, switch it up. I think you say data. Yeah. All right, we're getting on to riddle me this. This is when I riddle Lucas. <laughs> oh, boy. Whoa, that scared the shit out. Did that scare you? Hey. We just can't say F. That scared me. All right, riddle me this. We're going to riddle Lucas oh boy. up. All right, so Lucas, we got three riddles. Then he's going to do three feet true and falses to me. We're out And then we're going to throw our um, outline into the trash can. We even have a trash can. So you're going to want to sing around at the end. A few more minutes here. So, all right, Lucas. Mm. I, this one may have been said before, so you might get it. I don't know this one. I, I looked at it. What has a neck but no head? Yeah, so I think of, when I think of a neck, I think, uh, neck, ne I think of a giraffe, right? They obviously have a head, though. They so have long necks, too. Long yeah. necks, but they have a head. So that's not the answer. So it's probably some sort of object out there. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of like, what has a neck? What sort of object? I think of like a knife. Is there, any, is there a neck on a knife? I don't think so. Uh, I think of a hose. Is there a neck on a hose? I feel like there's a neck on a hose. So I'm gonna guess hose and my other thing. Yeah, I'm gonna guess hose. The answer is a beer bottle. Bottle, neck of a bottle. I'd see that. It's kind of like you a You arrive with the object that's not at all like yeah, a hose. Very similar. How? Cylinder, open-ended, fluid comes out. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, but a hose like is like a long, huge, skinny thing. Doesn't have a big base to it. You don't like. I guess you drink out of a hose, but yeah. Very similar concept. I wouldn't say eyes. very. I would say slightly similar. Like, give me half. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're just gonna get, you know, you know, woozy and, and banged up off of a hose. No, depends what's coming out of it. Yeah, well, I guess you. Oh, ooh, beer, a beer bong. bong. <laughs> we both thought that at the same time. All right. Yeah. Never done a beer. What is a beer bong? No, nah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Data. What about an octabong? Mm, wouldn't know that either. Oh, remember we used to we used to do like beer bongs in college, obviously, and like we had an octabong that you just we would dump. I remember one time we dumped was a huge big cup and we had eight different like spouts coming out of it. I think there was beer, there was vodka mm-hmm. dumped in it. There was like probably other types yeah. of liquor all dumped in. I remember there was eight hoses, eight hoses. So and eight were people. you on one of the ends oh, too? Yeah. We, yeah. we took her down and then I think everybody just went through. Yeah. Up. I threw up right in the sink. Yeah. I, I did ran too. inside. I ran outside yeah. and threw up. That, and that is my second favorite. Gosh, we probably shouldn't talk about this too much. That is my second favorite liquid, liquid bong me- net mechanism. I'm not talking about what's like your first drug- favorite. Flabongo. Oh, our flabongo. We had a yeah. flamingo that we made into a bong, yeah. like a little like yard it was a ornament. Yard, yard ornament. It's, but it had so hollow. much. But it had so much freaking mold. It in had it. so much mold because you couldn't clean this thing. There were so many crevices. Oh, that thing was cool. The flabongo. The flabongo that, was, that was for float trips. You know, it was gross. I remember we used to like just do I like to get the foam out. Which who cares? Like you'd like wipe grease off your face to get it. But I remember like coating the inside of it in butter mm-hmm. to keep the or foam. Pam. Oh, that's so gross. That's all right. right. I like Didn't butter. know we were going there, did you, Shaner Gainer and T. Jork? All Butter's right. Butter's good. Throw away the outside. Oh, neck, uh, the guitar is a good one. I love that. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, yeah. That is a good The guitar yeah. would work too. All right. Throw Unless away the head. Would you call that a head? On guitar the t- head. Yeah, 100% is called a guitar head. Well, then. Oh, no. There is a head of yeah. a guitar, right? Yeah, there is a guitar head. So yeah. close, Shaner. All right. Throw away the outside and cook the inside, then eat the outside <laughs> and throw away the inside. So I was thinking through this, there's like so many, like this, this, uh, if it's a food object, if it it's is, something I'll give you, you that. can eat, it has multiple layers. So I, I think of something like uh, an avocado that you don't eat the outside, you eat the inside, and then you throw away the really inside, the seed, but you don't cook it. So you it, can cook an avocado. You could cook an avocado. But it's, not, but but it's something like that, I correct, bet you. Or, or the one I do think of that you do cook and kind of throw away the inside a little bit is an onion because you don't eat the outside. You uh, take out that little weird pit thing, and then you can cook onions. Um, but those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head. I was trying to think of like a, something that was in a wrapper. You take the wrapper off. Yep. Is that is my other right track there? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What, what are you? What's in a wrapper? You take the wrapper off. It's a natural wrapper. Oh, so not a banana because um, – mm-hmm close oh similar shape similar color uh plantain <laughs> what's your guess uh oh would it would it be uh would it be it no you don't cook a uh a, a lemon nope a similar shape and color for banana uh-huh so it's yellow yeah and shaped like a banana kind of yeah pretty much <laughs> um is it very common is it a fruit or a vegetable vegetable um like a squash or no. a, uh, um, a gourd? Corn. Corn. Oh, hey. <laughs> I love that one. Corn the cob. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to get it. It's got, it's shaped yellow, yeah. shaped like a cylinder. It's got the cob. Yep. And it's got, what's the shuck? Is that the Yeah, you shuck it and then you yeah. cook it and then you throw it. So I, I'm going to give you half of that one because avocado, a lot of those yeah. make sense because you can't cook. So you get half for that one, not the first one. Okay. Um, all right, so you're a half for two. Third one. I think I get this one. I have no life, but I can die. What am I? 
battery. Yes, sir. One and a half for ding, two. Ding, 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 ding. Let's go. Let's go. Some people said pineapple. I like that one too. Very similar mm-hmm. kind of concept. You definitely cook pineapple. Corn's that kind of. That's the thing. Ooh, that'd be interesting if the the comments we see are the right. Like you have to. No, it's we, not like me versus the world here, guys. That's going to be impossible for me. Well, we can't have them. We can't look because they're oh, going to get the right I, I, I didn't look. Okay. Yeah. I won't right. look. I won't look. All right. So this is where I go three for three. Okay. Let's see. You go three for three. True or false? Woo! That's, that's segment. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we might change that sound. That scares me every time. Okay. You know who Charlie Chaplin is? Yep. Do you know who 50 Cent is? Yes. Very different ends of the, the human spectrum, I would say. Um, love them both. Very different ways. Uh, but 50 Cent and Charlie Chaplin were alive at the same time. True or false? So Charlie Chaplin was the like one of the first actors he was in. like Maybe the first like movie or the first talking movie, whatever it was. Um, it was a, a mime, right? He, oh, well, he just they, they, they didn't get audio, so he just was an actor, oh. but they couldn't talk. Um, gotcha. He was. It was. He had like the whole the the old, that Hitler stash or whatever. That yeah. was like the style. So um, cool. The twenties is when he was around. I believe the twenties or thirties. I would guess. So that means he was probably born in the early nineteen hundreds, and fifty was probably born in nineteen seventy. So if he lived to seventy or eighty years old, they were probably alive at the same time. This is so. This is why true false are hard because it's probably a year or two difference. You oh, you're fifty like, fifty shot. But you, they try to trick you. No one's trying to trick one. So in riddles, we try to help you with clues to give you the answer. In nope. this, you try to take I away clues. I would say you would try to help me with the we'll riddle. Give, all right, we're gonna say I'm going to say false. It's true. Uh, they were uh, 50 was two and a half years old when Charlie I thought died. We're trying to, see, that's what we're trying close. to trick. Yeah, so it's, it's close. close. Yeah. I like your thought process there. Yeah, you didn't know I was that deep, did you? Uh, well, you tell everyone. <laughs> Every single show we do. <laughs> That's true. So wonder if it's true, true, true or false. <laughs> it's one of those things where you talk about too much is probably not yeah, true. Yeah, right. All right. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Okay. So do you do you know the na- the the sounds of animals, Sam? Yes. What's what sound does a horse make? Nay. Very good. What about like a bird? Ah. Yeah, could be. Lots of different bird sounds out there. Okay. So giraffes. Yeah, the sound they make is moo. Um, see, this, that's so you act like I think true false is just as hard as riddles. But anyways, um, I feel like giraffes grunt, so I'm going to say false. It is true. Um, this is what this says, but I also I would know, like to hear it and see if it actually sounds like a damn moo. Wasn't there a, a true or false or some sort of segment that we did that was like a Giraffes are the okay. on, only mammals that don't make a noise, that don't have a sound. A I've heard that before. Right, let's see. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'd call that a moo if that's real. If that's real. Talk about a. I could see, I could see that being like a voiceover that we freaking took, and that's all right. Whatever. Oh, for two. This is yeah, the worst <laughs> ever. YouTube said it, so well, it's both true. of these are like the obvious. The obvious answer is Fifty Cent Charlie Chapman. It's like. Seems like a no way, so it's probably true. And this seems like that's goofy, so I should just go with my gut. I'm trying. I'm hey, overthinking it. Go with I'm trying gut, to bro. verbalize my thoughts. I should just go with my yeah. gut. Oh, for freaking two. What's new? Um, actually, usually pretty good at true or false. So, all right, last one. In Ohio, the, the state of Ohio, it not is, the city. Well, USA, not the. I don't know if there's another anything. Anyway, in Ohio, it says Ohio, USA on here. So, the, just want to clarify that it is illegal. To get a fish drunk. So I've heard of this. 
there are there is a state or states that is illegal to get fish drunk for sure i've heard of that 100 percent. but i don't know if it's ohio that's where it's so like it could be like illinois what if it's a federal rule well then that's really trying to spin this the wrong way um i'm going to say true i'm going to say ohio is the state False. what state is it <laughs> is it a state <laughs> What state? Tell me right tell now. Tell me the state. state. Tell me the damn state. So you've heard of that before? I haven't yes. heard of it. That's where it's tricky. Yeah. All right, oh for three. That's my worst ever. <laughs> for so the I guess, I guess I get nervous in front of a live audience. For the first show, crushed it. Crushed. I know I'm going to make my shot. So yeah. in a minute, we're going to crumble up our papers and throw them in the trash can. But before then, want to just thank everybody for hanging out on this first episode. We're going to do this um, twice a week. Every mm. Wednesday, the episode's going to be based like this. We are going to introduce new segments and do live calls. So make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. And again, stay tuned until we throw the the um, uh, sheet of paper in the trash can with the trash cam. But anyways, um, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. These are going to be held and stored on YouTube and the podcast platforms, the entire episodes, even some of them split up. But if you want to watch live and hang and interact, then YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all those platforms we are going to be live on and have fun. And we're going to grow this. I'm going to say one last time. We're going to grow this fucking thing huge. We're going to get thousands of people watching live every single Wednesday and Friday. Fridays, we're going to have guests. We're going to have some in-guest persons, but we're going to bring in people like bigger p- names. I'm not going to say anything, but big names in the space we're going to virtually have on the screen on Fridays for our, our guest segment. So make sure you're hanging out with us. We're doing a lot of time and energy into this. It's fun, but I promise you, you're going to be wiser and you're going to laugh a lot with us. So make sure to hang out with us. What is our what is our what is our mission in Faster Freedom? Faster Freedom is to uh, we just revamped this. So give me one second, but to inspire people to think differently about freedom. Close. I changed it. That's last year. Okay. I just wanted to be direct. I want we our mission is to inspire you to think differently about freedom. Okay. Inspire just talking to the audience. Inspire you. So I love it. All right. Ready to rock? Ready to throw the papers? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So hang on. If you're listening, you will hear us yelling who wins. So this is the trash. You want to go first, Walls? Yes. We just kind of come. Like a beer pong. Yeah. Yeah, we've been here before. You're good at that. Oh, you're, which one are you crumble it up? Probably should be the same. Oh, okay. He doesn't care. God, I'm just so wet. Yeah, so, so you better well, take. Say that you made it. Better take a deep breath. Lucas made one, of course. Well, here comes Sam. Two sheets of paper. Go ahead. Oh, one. Oh, good shot. One to one. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you got some major value from our conversation. If you love what you learn, make sure you like, rate, review the show, and help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you'd like to learn more about working with me inside one of my programs, we'll have those links in the show notes, along with all our social media handles, so you connect with us there for free. If there's a real estate question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send us a message, and we'll cover it in an upcoming show.